Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. And in this episode, we will talk about should you modify your classic? A good, a good topic to discuss because a lot of people are most probably thinking, what do they do? Do they keep it original? So I, I agree, Michael. Yeah. It's a great topic to uh, go with. Okay. There's a lot of avenues there. People talk about full restorations, concourse, keeping them standard, uh, making them more drivable. So there's lots and lots of things that we can talk about tonight. I will start with saying that any modification to cars, depending on which country or state you're in, there are insurance issues with them. So if you modify your cars, you may not be covered from the insurance point of view. So certainly, if you are going to make some modifications specifically for mechanical and suspension and stuff like that, you may may have an issue with the insurance. So check with your insurer that you're covered if you're going to modify your classic. And also warranty. And warranty as well that would not apply because if it's a classic. Correct. Yeah, but if some people have, they pay extra warranty because, you know, I remember when I bought my car, I could have paid extra to get new, uh, you know, Ferrari warranty on the car, but I don't think you're allowed to modify anything with that warranty. So just check the warranty also. Certainly check those things. But I also like to say as well, our podcast has been going for a few weeks and I'd like to welcome listeners around the globe. Yeah, Ori, true. Uh, we're 17 countries now that we're reaching. So our UK listeners, our listeners in the US and Canada, uh, our listeners in Europe, Spain, France, Italy. Uh, we've got listeners in Turkey, New Zealand, Australia. So yeah, we've we've touched 17 countries around the globe. And welcome to everybody. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll continue on. So the the question of should you modify your classic? This is certainly uh, very subjective, and there's. Uh, some people have got some very strong views on whether they should or shouldn't. One of them is, you know, if you're talking about a car that's 40 years old, 50 years old, is the safety aspect. You know, some of the early cars only had a single brake line, so they didn't have the dual brake line. So some of them, you want to sort of fix them for or upgrade them so that the safety is is somewhat better. How about seatbelts? Seat- so the early, early ones. Well, some didn't come with seatbelts, and the rule is, certainly in South Australia, I I believe, you only need seatbelts if it came with seatbelts in that era. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, you know, it is certainly a good idea to put seatbelts in. I think some of the things that you can modify that is easy to change back to original, it's not so so bad, I think, you know. um, Yeah. So, I mean, if you're putting seatbelts on, you can always change it. But something like that, you know, not many people would, you know, frown upon that because it is a safety feature. Correct. I mean, but the modification we're talking about, there's a lot of these cars didn't come with power steering. They didn't come with air conditioning. Is that a modification? I mean, I'm trying to drive this thing every day or every weekend. Well, if you're using it regularly and you want to make it more usable, a lot of those modifications people do. You know, even, you know, they put the cruise control in, they do all sorts of things. The The question really comes, are you really particular about ensuring that it stays original and it is original as it came out, let's say, of the factory? Or do you want to make it more drivable? I start with, by saying, and everyone should ask themselves, and, and this is the statement, your car is only original once. Yeah, I think you've uh, borrowed that statement from somewhere right? there, Ori. I have, and uh, thank you to Frank Cavazzini, but he's right. The car's only original once. So as soon as you start to modify and touch, well, guess what? It's no longer original. It's no longer how it rolled out of the factory floor. So 
in, in that regard then, Ori, if you're going for a concourse type event, and we know about the concourse on the Ferrari side of things, and yep. that might be a, another episode, but if you're going for concourse, well, then originality is a big issue. It's key. Correct. It's key. It's key. And, you know, the Ferrari um, have now got the award system that is universal, right, Correct. for the world. So you've got, you know, the platinum and gold and, and silver. And silver. So, you know, the argument is that if you achieve platinum in Australia, Australia and take a, it to Pebble Beach, yeah, you should you're going to get platinum. However, it's international standard. However, they do say that, I mean, if you Pebble Beach, uh, then they're going to be stricter on some of the things like cleanliness or, or some of those But items. it's good that the rules and the regulation are the same for everybody when it comes yeah. to concourse now. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Every car starts out with 100 points yeah. and then you deduct. You deduct points for indiscretions that are not are not original. Correct. Or Correct. things that are not working. So your horn's not working or, or something's not working. You yeah, know. but, you know... <laughs> We'll touch on concourse later, but one of the things, you know, it's just the sticker from the dealer still on the car is not original. It's not original. That has to come off, right? So that's how pedantic and that's how, you know, intricate the the rules are. Especially if you're looking at the top-notch cars. And when we're talking about classics and whether you modify them or don't modify them, you know, if I look back at my early things with uh, my Subaru, for example, I've got an STI that was original when I bought it. You modify it a bit, you lower it, you give it a bit more horsepower because it's quite easy to do with the engine management system and exhaust and things like that. But after having it for, I bought it in 2005, it's now, you know, 20 years old, you wonder why did you do those modifications? Yeah, what's the time? It was at the time, I suppose. And there were a few more of those on the road at those times and they must probably were lower and yeah. it was more comfortable and it was grunty and you do them for various reasons. But as you get older, you must probably want your car back to as original yeah. as possible. That's and what I'm wa- finding. And really, when you do those modifications for either horsepower or handling, unless you're actually tracking it, so we're not talking about track cars or race cars, we're just talking yeah. about drivers. If you get a bit more power out of it. You're never really utilising that power on the road, nor should you, uh, well, unless you're actually on a racetrack. So the extra power, you get used to it and you wonder really, should you have modified it? And this is where if I had my time again, the STI that I modified, I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, I would okay. keep, it, keep it completely original. It has, I mean, looks from outside, looks original. You can see the exhaust tip that, you know, it's a bit bigger. And you can also see that it's been lowered a little bit, but otherwise it looks original. It's got an intercooler that you open the bonnet, but all that stuff that I've done is easy to put back to original. To original. Yeah. yeah. So look, a lot of people put different mags on, put, you know, different, they put a spoiler on, they put things like that on that can come off easily. I suppose my question to you is, your car's currently going through a restoration. It's a classic, it's the Dino, yeah. we know, nut and bolt. Did you make any modifications to that car prior to it going in? And now that it's going through the restoration, is it going back to original? That's a very good question, Ori. The, uh, when I bought the car, it was a bit rough. And you might have heard from a previous podcast that we had. However, I did modify it. I actually did a couple of things, like I put electronic ignition, which uh, did help in terms of, you know, revs out a bit more and it's smoother. And also put electric power steering. Because the steering's quite hard, or sorry, quite heavy. Uh, and also I've got 16-inch rims compared to the standard 14-inch rims, 
now that I'm going through a nut and bolt restoration, it's at the stage now that it's got the two-coat epoxy primer after being completely sandblasted. So it's certainly getting there. The power steering I'll certainly leave on because that's electric power steering. You can't actually see that it's on okay. and you can actually turn it on or off and it is speed sensitive. So that's something I, I do enjoy in it. The elect- electronic ignition, that I would keep on as well. But all the rest is really... Uh, is going to be as original sorry it won't be original because it's a restoration but it's restored as original as possible because you're using original parts oem parts and things like that so did it have an air conditioning in there it had an air conditioning yes right so air air conditioning goes back in air conditioning power windows so all that was standard And, and i think that's important because for me if you did now want to take that car to concourse though it's going to get judged pretty highly it would as it, a restoration. As a restoration, I would say it would have to be up there. The little tricky thing is if you put paint protection film, the PPF film on top, yep. you at this stage it sounds like you might lose some points. Half for that. a point or a point, I think it is. I'm not sure how much yeah. it is, but yeah. So you might lose some points for that. But I'm not doing it for um for concourse. But as you get closer to finishing it off, you think, gee. It's probably close, so I better do this and I better do that. So your mind does change a bit in that. I, I just think, I, you know, having a look at the old Aston Martins, um, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Maseratis of that era, you know, 30, 40, 50-year-old cars, I love the way they came out of the factory. I love the shape. I love it. You know, I, I want to see, I'm one of those people that want to see authentic original. Yeah. I don't want to see them with flares and all these other, the wrong wheels, the wrong mags on them. I don't want to see that. I want to see how the car was intended by the manufacturer at that time. Yeah, how it was intended by the manufacturer is certainly what you look for in terms of keeping it original. But back then, they weren't a classic. So, for example, you bought a 1965 Ferrari. It wasn't a classic or even a 1970. And a lot of people made modifications. But I wonder what options were available back then. No, there probably weren't many options. However, you hear of people taking out the V12, which was a lot of maintenance, and putting in a Chevy V8 and things like that. So that that happened a fair bit back then. I mean, knowing what they had and if they kept it, well, they might think a little bit different now because of the values. But modifications, you buy a brand new car and there's aftermarket Things happen yeah, all the time. All the time. Well, that's why now with the new Ferraris, obviously they've got the plaque of all the extras you put on there to make it easier for when they are being judged at these concorsos, you know what those modifications are so you know you can judge. That's how it left the factory. Yeah, yeah that makes it certainly easier than the previous cars that didn't have that. Correct. You had to somehow prove that there was an option came from the factory like that. And it gets it gets confusing because every country had different options, I think. Like the UK cars must probably had a few different options that uh, American cars didn't and things like that. So you need to – these judges are true experts when it comes to judging yeah. a vehicle and what, how they came out of the factory because they need to know exactly how every country had little intricacies on their cars. That's right because they varied for the design rules of that country. And also what happened is that you think it might have been original from the factory but some of the options were put on by the dealer. So in okay, so that's a good point. In America, the indicator lights that are on the front and the rear, the long uh, rectangular ones, which we haven't got in this country, on the side, on the side, yep. It was that put on by the dealer or by Ferrari? No, that's a Ferrari. That's a Ferrari thing for the US cars only. Yes. 
Sorry to our listeners in the US, that's something that I do not like on the vehicles, I must admit. Well, the US people don't like that either because they don't like the indicators compared to, because they always talk about European spec and also the 10 kilometre an hour bumper bars or the old five miles an hour or whatever. But that's a safety feature that the US government obviously and motoring um, board put in. But that wasn't just for Ferraris, that was for a lot of cars, the old BMWs, uh, anything that came from... Was it anything European that came? Well, I'm not sure. I think the American cars had the similar bumper bars. I know the Porsche 928s got around that by having their bubble as the bumper bar, which was plastic, it was able to deform for ten at 10 kilometres an hour and then pop back. Okay. So, you know, the, the design has got around it, but the early ones that they didn't design those extra bumper bars from the beginning, then it was retrofitted, you know, the bulletins going out and things like that to make sure it, it worked. So you say that some were done at the dealers, some modifications or some examples? Some of the modifications that were done at the factory and some were done at the dealers. For example, the I know from the 308 GT4s, the, the Dino, there was a bulletin because the US market didn't like that it didn't have Ferrari written on it. Okay. So they sent through a bulletin about, you know, this is put where you badge. should put the badge. You can keep the Dino badge, but put these extra badges on. And so, you know, it, it's now in hindsight, but you think, but having the one with the original Dino badge is... Is it worth more than the one with the Ferrari badge? It, it's worth more, but also I think it's, you know that it's not a tacked-on afterthought. I think that's more with some of the stuff that you're trying to keep original. You, you know that it's that's what it was meant to be. And also, once you start modifying, where do you stop? I mean, yeah. there's some, some car shows, they've got the extreme machine car shows and things like that that modify... You know, a car that doesn't even look like original yep. at all. You know, the, the body panels are changed and, and that's big, big dollars all around the world. I mean, America has some, I can't remember, the Riddlers, I think, the show that modify completely extreme. You can't actually show the car unless at the first time it's actually at that show. And people spend millions trying to win that award and get in the top eight. There's yeah. actually a Ford, I think it's a Ford two-door uh, XB like you had or XA that uh, has won or came in the top eight in America two or three years ago. But that's, again, you know, then, you know, say the question to should you modify your classic? Now, yeah. that wouldn't apply to that one because you're certainly modifying they're, they're it. They're doing it. They want to do that, yeah. right? My thing about modifying a classic also, if I'm going to modify it, should I use OEM parts, original parts? Well, if you're going to modify it, maybe some of the modifications that you're putting on you can't get as OEM parts. Okay, so now my Ferrari or my Lamborghini or my Maserati, Porsche. Gee, you've got a lot of cars there, Ori. Hasn't got an original part in it. Does it lose value? Does it lose value? That's a good point. I mean, that's... uh, I think if it's not seen... You know, if you can't if see it's in the, the engine bay or yeah, things like the, that, you yeah. know, like for example, you've got uh, high compression pistons, no one can see it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't see that you'd lose value for it. Uh, you probably gain value because someone drives and thinks, gee, this drives very well. So you probably gain gain value rather than lose value. Now, if you put a, an aftermarket spoiler on the back of your, your 360 that, you know, no one else has had in the world, you probably lose value, I would say. There's some of those kits that flare it out. But, but, the 360 did actually come with a GT kit that, as an option. Was that a GT kit that they actually used for racing? Yeah, so for was, racing. Oh, okay. So you could actually get – but there's other kits that flare out the guards and things like that that yeah. aren't aren't original. So I know that 
in not restoring but fixing my car or fixing the little bits and pieces, I wanted original parts, ex-Ferrari. Uh, and there is plenty of play, people and companies that still sell uh, Marinelli imports and uh, Euro spares and things like that that you can buy original parts. Are they easy to get? Are they, you know, how expensive are they? What would you tell our listeners when well, you're going to restore or look at maintaining the history of your vehicle? Yeah. Well, I, I think on that one there, Ari, if you're looking at restoration and wanting to do a, a project car for a restoration and you weren't really particular on the car that you were interested in, like you might not have a passion for European cars or, or one or the other, in terms of ease of restoration, my understanding is the American Ford Ford Mustang, you know, the 64, 65, like my brother's got, for example, you, you, the parts, you can buy reproduction parts, you can buy original parts, you can buy all sorts of things, and they are cheap. You know, that would be a tenth of the dollars that you buy Ferrari parts for, and you can get them anywhere. Do you want to tell the story about the part you went to buy for your brother for his Mustang? Well, it it is. Well, my brother just bought the Mustang. Actually, we'll get him on the show one day and we'll we'll chat about that. And he was overseas on a holiday and um, he had just bought the car and he took it in for a few minor, you know, repairs. And while we're at it, we're going to get a new gaskets for the, the door handle and globe and bits and pieces. And also he had the, um, one of the, I think the inlet manifold was cracked. Anyway, I able to source the parts and it was just local. So it was five kilometers from my house. And uh, I go there and I thought, geez, how much is it going to be? I don't know how to, you know, and I was thinking, you know, Ferrari parts. Anyway, the guy says, uh, oh, you know, here's the uh, manifold. Uh, I said, okay, how much do you? He goes, oh, that'll be $100. Now, $100, the same manifold for a Ferrari would be over $1,200. And then all the gaskets and that I had four or five different things. He was getting things off the like a supermarket shelf. They just had, and you could buy different qualities. That's and easy. That's and I suppose, and that's why so many you see so many of these restore these Mustangs getting restored in those American cars because I think the ease of getting the parts and the cost yeah. is is so favourable to people doing that. And I, and I I've always loved the old Mustangs, yeah, sixty fives, the fastbacks, and things like that. Beautiful cars, right? And certainly, if you want a, a project car. You know, that the Camaro, even yeah. those that sort of era cars, is relatively cheap. the The cost of the paint and the bodywork is similar, but the actual buying parts is certainly a lot cheaper with those. And if you're talking about European cars, be it Ferrari, be it Alfa, be it any of those, you're going to pay a lot more. I mean, you, we speak about your brother. We speak about the Mustang. What's his thought on it? Does he want to keep his car original? Is he trying to go back to original or has he modified it since he's bought it? No, he's tried to keep it as original as possible. When I say as original as possible, it's been uh, re-sprayed red. Not he did it, but it was – so he wanted a red one. So he's not really fussed too much about complete originality. You know, um, the value is not there to to worry about that too much, I suppose. And he wanted red and he wanted the pony interior and he wanted uh, left-hand drive. He wanted that to be original. And he also wanted air conditioning. And the only thing he might do, he might change the disc brakes at the front because uh, that's got drums all around. But again, all those parts are actually quite quite cheap to get. Actually, you, you touch on something, left-hand drive. So if I want to buy a classic and, you know, I've been looking you know, to try and find an old 246 Dino, if I convert that to right-hand drive, do I lose value? You certainly would lose value. 
Okay. It, that's one thing. So that's one you, of the biggest you would not do. Yeah. You, I agree. Yeah. If it's of that era, you don't need to for Australian compliance to um, registered in Australia. You can keep it left hand drive long as it's over a certain amount of years old. But that's something you would not do. And even the American muscle cars, the the Mustangs that we talked about, the Camaros that people would buy them, often they were getting converted. But now the talk is if you go to these car shows, no one wants to convert them to right hand drive. They'll original. leave it as left hand drive. And also, they're not a daily driver, so you're not going to the city every day. You, it's normally a weekend car anyway, so it's not as critical to have all those features on there. Yeah, I, I think that's a big one too. The left hand, as soon as I, I've seen to walk away, as soon as I look at a car and they say, oh, it's been converted, I'm out. Yeah. No, yeah. the conversion, I think you've got to stay. Now, if you're buying a newer car like the Ford GT, the 2000, got, yeah. you know, our friends got, that's 2005, they had to be converted to come get Australian compliance. But I think a, a specialised dealer in, I um, can't remember which, which state of uh, Australia it New is. New South Wales, I thought New it was. New South Wales or Queensland, I'm not sure. But uh, they modified it and it was uh, a factory modification type type thing so that you could and they had to be modified otherwise you wouldn't be able to register them i suppose you may be wondering also as listeners how do i know if my car's original it hasn't got the plaque on there like the newer ferraris let's just say let's just get back to ferrari for a second the newer ferraris have how can a listener know if their car in their garage is actually got all the original parts they've got the books they may not have the books but they should have the books and tells you and that's where i think the ferrari app comes up that you can put your VIN number in and it tells you exactly how your car left the factory. Yeah. With what options, what modifications. But that's only for later model cars though, isn't it? When did they start putting that in? So look, for well, so mine goes for 2000. We haven't tried with your Dino on the app, have we? I have tried and it doesn't come up with that. I think if you're looking at originality, then you've got to search the forums of how to get that info. The um, and Is there some, a place to get that? Can you send the email to Ferrari? Well, you can. Okay. You can, but you'd have to pay. They do charge you for it, so you can get all the build specs for that car. So if you're if you're looking at getting into one and making sure, whether it's a Ferrari or any other classic, some have got VIN numbers, some haven't. Some got block numbers for engines and don't necessarily, as long as they were built after the, before the car was built. You know, so uh, if you're talking about originality, like you're buying a Ford Mustang Shelby, there'll be specific things and you really have to speak to someone that knows that that type of car because otherwise you're going to get caught out. That's a good point. You bring up also about numbers on the engine blocks and things like that, matching numbers. What are matching numbers? What does that actually mean when you say, oh, my car's got matching numbers? Well, in, in our case, in terms of Ferrari, matching numbers mean number one is the chassis. All right, so there's a VIN number or chassis number and also the engine number and the gearbox number. And they all have to be the same number? No, all different numbers. Right. They're all different numbers. For that particular car, though? For that particular car. So the matching numbers, I'm not sure whether they refer to matching numbers including the colour of the car. Okay. So they normally refer to matching numbers as the engine, VIN number, gearbox However, if you want matching numbers original, then you'd also have the colour. Colour of the outside and colour of the interior. So, And that is unique to my car. That's Yours unique is to unique your, to your car? Yes. Then we get to your brother's Mustang and all the block numbers are the same. Well, the I've heard two different stories, so I'm going to have to find out a bit more about that. I'll get When, when my brother comes in, I'll... 
we'll find out about that. But my understanding was that they would make certain blocks and then they would go in. So as long as the block number was of the year prior to them building the right. car, it, it's a it's a matching. So you could put a 289 that's built in 63, 64, 65 if your cars are 66. Right, so, yeah, because it's that era. Yeah. And All that's right. where it gets a little bit confusing. All okay. right. I think we've touched on a few things there, Michael. Have any other items you want to speak about? or? Well, I want, what do you leave our listeners with? So I don't know if we've actually come up with the answer. Do you modify your classic? Well, I think I've got the answer. All right. It's really personal taste. It is. It yeah. really is personal preference. If you really wanted a green car and that's your model that you wanted, paint it green. Really, you're only a caretaker for a while. Someone else can restore it to original if they really want. Um, however, my thoughts are if the car is original, you probably should really keep it as original. Yeah, no, that's that's my belief. I mean, if you want a green car, patience is of <laughs> patience is key. The green car will come up one day. If you're buying a red car and it's original red or original yellow, whatever it is, keep it that color. Keep original. Yes. That's my take on it. I like originality. I want it as the as as it was intended to be, um, X Factory. Yeah, I look. I agree, Ori. Um, the you know the eighties of the Ferraris. You know the resale red comment. You know every, you know it didn't matter what color the car was. They had to be repainted red. You know um, because it was cheaper. Yeah, and like I said, I've been searching for this two four six Dino now for a good six months, eight months. And they came out with a plethora of colours. In that era, Ferrari were making multiple colours from purples, yellows, greys, light blues, dark blues, greens. You know, it was only it wasn't just what we see today of red, black, yellow, white. There were a plethora of colours. But unfortunately on the market, there's a lot of red dinos. Yeah, because they've resprayed them. They've all resprayed them, yeah. correct. And they're not original. So yeah. already I'm put off, I walk away. Yeah. However, the if if the car is good, as in rust-free, well, if you can get a rust-free Dino, mm. but anyway, rust-free, mechanical's good, and it's just a paint job, well, that's not so bad. You know, I mean, you can might get a paint job, you know, for a, a fair few thousand dollars, but that's a... Um, and to get it back. In different markets, it will be different costs. Um, but that's probably one of the simple things to do. All right. Know? There's a few things there, listeners. Hopefully, we've given you a bit of advice. A bit of advice and a bit of our thoughts, and uh, and so only our thoughts. Only it, our thoughts. You know, we're passionate classic car enthusiasts, and so it's only our thoughts that we give. So, thank you, Ori, and um, uh, we'll leave it there then. Thanks, Mick. And you can reach the show via email, Mick and Ori at gmail.com. And remember, if your car is not a classic, it will be one day. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>